Welcome back to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here as always. Very pleased to be joined by Kristen Kearns Jordan, the CEO of Urban Assembly. Welcome to the show, Kristen. It's great to have you. Thanks so much, Mike. It's great to be with you. Yeah, and uh, as a trend spotting show, I think we've been remiss a bit to talk about what's happening in K-12 and what's happening in a lot of our our big urban areas, even in some of what, what's traditionally thought of as a mainstay of progressive politics and quote-unquote woke folk in New York City in particular is where you're based. Uh, there are some real uh, problems around equity and access to education, really in the in the K-12 space in particular. And uh, that's really how we, we got in contact. And uh, I'm very happy to have you on so that we can explore this topic with you. But to begin with, I'd love to, to get some perspective from you on, on who you are and what your, what your origin story has been to this point and how, how that arc has led you to Urban Assembly, and, and we'll proceed from there. Sounds great. So I was born in a small town in New Hampshire in 1969, so I've just celebrated my 50th birthday and nice. actually have been kind of reflect. thank you. I've been reflecting on those 50 years Mm -hmm. um, even before the sort of reflections prompted by the pandemic. Right. But, um, I went to public school from K to eight and I was among only white students, right? Mm -hmm. There were no people of color in my, in my class. Yep. And yet I had sort of early observations about race because I had a Southern grandmother. I, I would go to North Carolina mm. once a year. I was her favorite grandchild and spend a week there and just, observed all kinds of patterns and found it curious, right, sort of both in my extremely homogenous New Hampshire context and in her segregated North Carolina context, mm -hmm. some of these sort of early awarenesses. And I, and I was um, interested from, from the beginning in mm -hmm. sort of why our country was shaped in the way it is and, mm -hmm. the, and the role that race uh, played in that mm -hmm. shape. Yep. I had a lot of educational privilege. I went to an independent school for high school and then to, to Brown for college. And I was exposed to a lot of progressive ideals, yep. right? But still kind of observed these unfairnesses, you know, that, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, and so I didn't really go into education because I wanted to be a teacher. I actually didn't think that I would be very good at that. Mm. Teachers tend to be patient and I am impatient. <laughs> and I, I mean, the good teachers are patient, right? The right. ones that I that I remember, and and yet it seemed to me, you know, back when I was 22 years old, to be a path toward greater equity is a word I use now. I didn't use yeah. it then for young people. You know, mm -hmm. I sort of I, I considered being a lawyer. There's a sort of a fight for justice yep. that you can do through the law, right? Mm -hmm. But education just seemed, you know, for for an optimist, and I am an optimist, yep. just a better path. And so. Mm -hmm came to New York when I graduated, and in 1991, the, the four-year graduation rate, can you guess the four-year graduation rate of the New York City schools? Oh, then or now? Then. Then, in 1991? I don't know, 50%. 39. Okay. So, um, I was exposed to the idea of public education just being completely broken, right? right, that, that right. It was, I had read Jonathan yeah. Cole, there are no children here, I don't right, know right. some of your 
audience have read those books, but I, I, I did not come into New York thinking that there was a bright future for public mm -hmm. education. And so my early career was really finding ways to kids, you know, for kids to escape it, mm -hmm. right? Whether that was scholarship programs, I founded a charter school when the, mm -hmm. the charter movement started. Yep. Um, and it's really only in the last 10 years I worked for a, a wonderful couple doing philanthropy for a few years. Yep. Found my way to the urban assembly and sort of networks of, of high performing public schools that mm -hmm. I began to really become optimistic mm. about the potential of public education. You know, I, yeah. I, I believed in it theoretically, but I just I didn't see evidence before, you know, call it two thousand mm. that that we could really deliver something that our kids deserved right, right, that, that, right. but i have changed my view on that i think mm. there are just extraordinary problems and i think there are inequities that we can talk about i know yeah. that's what we were hoping to talk about today sure sure um but I, just to sort of point at sort of a point of optimism as we look at our history you know the the public schools between 2002 and 12 increased graduation rates in four years from 50 to 70 percent wow and now we're at i think 76 or 7 and, and, uh -huh. the, and the, at the ua we're you know in the high 80s right, right in terms of right. graduating students in four years and so mm -hmm. i think we have demonstrated that if you structure education if you make it intimate if you create high expectations if you build a school culture right public schools can get the job done right uh, however i think the the consistent trend has been that there are two systems, right? Mm -hmm. in, in New York City, I moved here, there weren't a lot of middle-class families accessing the public schools. Yep. Um, that has changed. Mm -hmm. uh, but the way that that's changed is that really the system kind of makes a deal with, with families, with, with white, more privileged families. Look, you know, stay here, pay real estate taxes in New York, and we'll make sure you get to, you know, you get, get the schools that you want. And right. The, and the, the subtext is with the people you want to educate your kids with. So, right, right. So I think now as we, you know, as we sit in our COVID anxiety and as yep. we think about the Black Lives Matter movement and yep. how, what the opportunities are to kind of finally break through mm -hmm. what has been, you know, a persistent inequity. Yep. And it's looked, it's looked different during different phases, right, mm -hmm. of um, mm -hmm. at least my experience with education, but there is kind of... Racism is a shapeshifter, right? It sort of finds its way into whatever structure you set up. And so yeah. I think it's time to, to, to really fundamentally rethink some of, yeah. our, uh, some of our first principles of education. Yeah. And, uh, and just to clarify for listeners too, Urban Assembly, where you are now, can you, can you explain what Urban Assembly is and, and what, your, what your mission is? Sure, of course. We are a partner to the New York City public school system. So for about 25 years, we have been building schools in partnership with the Department of Education. Mm -hmm. Our schools are themed around career, pairing students for college and career together. Right? We okay. believe that if you focus students on the long goals right, mm -hmm. of their life mm -hmm. success, education becomes more relevant, more purposeful. Yep. And and we are very focused on social and economic mobility. Right? Mm -hmm. that, is, that is our mission, yep. uh, to advance social and economic mobility by improving public education. So mm -hmm. our network of 23 schools mm -hmm. develops practices in community, right? Our principals, our teachers, our counselors work together to develop systems and structures and practices that work for kids. Mm -hmm. And we are increasingly sharing those practices with the broader public education community. So mm -hmm. we're a family of schools 
and also a model provider, right? Our um, social and emotional learning program is shared with schools um, yeah. beyond New York City. Right, right. And I mentioned, I warned you that I, I might have to sing Whitney Houston. You know, I get social, emotional, baby. <laughs> there you go. I've done it. I did. I warned you. You brought it up. We had to go there. Thank you for your service. You know, but, I, I, uh, I'm good. I, uh, I will be singing it in the shower tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you for your, uh, for your service there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we've, it's a theme that we've talked a, a bunch about here on the show is social and emotional learning. Also, community-based schooling is another one that this seems very much tied to as well, where rather than thinking of it as the relationship exclusively between the teacher, student, and maybe the parents, mm -hmm. instead, there's, an, there's a whole system uh, that needs to provide the, the educational services and just the, the human services for uh, the, the emotional support yep. that students need. Can you expand on that a little bit in terms of how Urban Assembly and you understand that and what types of interventions are increasingly common uh, in that space? Sure. I mean, I think our take on social and emotional learning is that it is not an intervention. It's not exclusively an intervention for kids who are struggling, mm -hmm. right? But rather, all kids all successful adults mm -hmm. need to develop social and emotional skills, right? We need to be able to problem solve, to have self-awareness, to have social awareness. Yeah. And so rather than thinking from a deficit perspective, how are we going to fix this problem that mm -hmm. a kid has, we take the view that you start with all students needing to learn just as they need to learn math skills and literacy skills. We need to learn as humans how to work in a group, right? Yep. How to listen to feedback, how mm -hmm. to kind of learn from feedback and not get sort of discouraged by it. Yeah, yeah. So we actually measure it. We use a, an exam to sort of measure students' skills. And we, we also work with teachers, right, to model their own social mm -hmm. and emotional development, right? Yeah, because yeah. Um, many of us um, in education sort of need that framework for ourselves, especially at a moment like right. You know, COVID moment, right? I right. mean, we are all managing anxiety. Mm -hmm. Everything is heightened. Yeah. Um, how we maintain relationships sort of under this pressure right. is critical for us. But we, we think it's critical to college success, right? You, you're sort of navigating the college process, mm -hmm. navigating the career process, mm -hmm. navigating an interview, sort of. It, 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 it's embedded in everything that we do. Right. So our, our work is to support schools to develop systems to implement social and emotional learning programs. Yeah. Um, it, it, it sometimes happens ad hoc in schools where there's sure. a teacher who's particularly skilled. Sure. Um, but we want to move it from the classroom by classroom ad hoc model to one where through advisory structures, through good monitoring, through mm -hmm. a portal, you know, you name it, um, schools can teach this on a consistent basis. Yeah. And it, it it reminds me of just rethinking the the concept of the balanced scorecard mm -hmm. and how much it's skewed towards, you know, cognitive, quote unquote, mm -hmm. cognitive performance on quote unquote, high stakes tests. Yep. When, you know, at the same time, you could be creating some ways to measure, you know, emotional health, psychological well-being, you know, sense of purpose, you know, yep. belief in meaningful work. The, the list just goes on and on. And it just, you know, equity, like, you know, awareness of diversity, like all these, you know, it does feel like there's a hunger and I, and I can see it in what, what, what I've seen from Urban Assembly, what I see from you, even just in this conversation, there's this hunger to kind of break out of these constraints that have yep. been built into the quote unquote educational system. Yep. 
is this part of where your optimism is coming in? Like, do you, do you feel like there, this is a singular moment and, and maybe there is an opportunity to accelerate in new ways? A hundred percent. I mean, I'm very worried, just to be clear, that I'm worried for our kids. Mm -hmm. I'm worried for the world, right? I, I think that the the gaps, right, that, 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 that the unfairnesses, right, yeah. that, that we already were experiencing have become exacerbated. Right. So I hold that in one part of my heart, right, but, but, but my optimistic side says, yes, we're in a, in a chrysalis right now, right? Yeah. We have kind of, I mean, we're literally, you know, in our homes, yeah. afraid to go outside in many cases, and we're reflecting, we're thinking, we're coming yeah. back to the question of what is really important, right? If mm -hmm. we didn't have in New York City or in New York State, we have regents exams in high school that measure math and science and two different social studies exams, mm -hmm. and they couldn't be administered this year. Right. And so we had to have a real conversation among our principals what do we actually value, right? right. So we, we have these tests, they've been, they've been you know, taken away this year. So we have the opportunity, and yes, it's virtual and it's complicated and it's stressful, but we forced ourselves to ask the hard question of what do our students really need from us? Yeah. Right? The state's not telling us right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and those were great conversations, but it gets back to the relevance, right? The connection to yeah. the broader world. I mean, mm -hmm. we have a, a school for emergency management and they developed a partnership with a school in Shanghai. And they were, so the, the, the students in Shanghai had experienced COVID before we did, right? So they were sort of exchanging yeah. um, stories. We were learning, our students were learning from them, how they managed, how they coped. But in the math class in that school, you know, exponential um, growth, right? In the context of COVID yeah. um, and what that RO number is, mm -hmm. you know, extremely relevant. And mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, the School of Emergency Management had a, you know, there's unfortunately frequently an emergency, not not usually at this scale. Yeah. Um, but it makes everything. It puts everything in context, right? Mm -hmm. What does a public service announcement need to say right. in order for the community to be prepared? Mm -hmm. um, that gets heightened. That heightens the importance of your writing skills. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of of saying what you mean and saying it clearly. And yeah. so I think I think there is a a moment to you know to to connect the cognitive because I believe in content right I, I yeah. believe we we need the science right. right God knows we need the science very badly right, uh, right. we need the mathematics we need the history I'm you know fearful of what our historians are going to say about us you know in 2020 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but that content needs to be contextualized within the world of work within right. our communities in so many ways. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It makes me think of, you know, the math questions about trains leaving stations. Like you could have John Lewis's march from Selma leaving Selma, you know, and right. it, the, the content you would learn in some ways would be deeper and richer. You would still learn the math, yep. but it would be put into a context yep. that I think the awareness of context Mm -hmm. is really where it feels like we've made the, the greatest strides in a really, really short period of time. I think the concern is just that the, will the energy fizzle and how do we, you know, so let's say one of someone's listening to this show right now, they're like, man, Kristen's really doing interesting work. I'd love to understand more about urban assembly and then also understand more about how I might learn from like I'm not in New York for example and I want to learn from what Urban Assembly is doing and I want to see if I can activate similarly uh, on a local level or if you're a parent 
yeah. uh, and you, you want to figure out how to, how to help or how to understand this stuff better. Do you have any uh, recommendations or advice? So to build on your math problem, right, yeah. the Selma March, because I actually just fielded a request from someone who's looking at problem PBL, project-based yeah. learning, mm -hmm. and how that connects to our work, how that connects to our career pathways work. I think mm -hmm. when people come to an urban assembly school, what they notice first typically is the culture, right? Mm -hmm. It is a warm place. The, the interactions um, among students, between students and adults, among adults, sort of show a genuine care for, for one another. Yeah. Other thing they notice pretty quickly is that our work centers on themes or career pathways. Yeah. So if you, if you take your math problem uh, and, and say, not just do we sort of make the content more culturally relevant, which yeah. is absolutely essential, right. but then do we actually go out there and do community sort of service projects, right? Do yeah. you get out there? I mean, I'm really worried about the census, for right. example. Yes. Right? And so yes. mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's a little complicated because we don't want to send the kids out in the street, right? Too. Sure. But projects like that, yeah. right, that allow students to engage mm -hmm. and then to do analytics around the project that they are doing yeah. connects the connects their own agency mm -hmm. to the skills that they are learning. So yeah. um, we connected frequently to careers. So mm -hmm. we did a bunch of virtual internships this summer mm -hmm. and the students ended up studying a company and then they made a pitch to the leadership mm -hmm. of the company on how they could improve their social media, right? So the, the culminating event was actually making real recommendations to mm -hmm. the leadership of the company. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the, the students could actually then see the impact where they had an actual audience. Right. Earlier in my career, my favorite class was always drama because mm. there was a show mm -hmm. and kids had to really be ready for that show. Yeah, it was, it's go it was, time. It was, yeah. it was the ultimate authentic assessment, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, giving a pitch to a you know, CEO of a company, mm -hmm. actually presenting data. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think that's, you know, look, and do we achieve it all of the time? Of course not, right? Sure. You know, we are, we, but, but I think that, that what we have done pretty consistently is recognize the importance of the, the, the broader context um, and especially the career context um, yeah. our students are in. And how do you get the freedom to sort of develop a different approach? Because like mm -hmm. one of the things that I've typically heard about K-12, at least pre-COVID, was that there's the unions and there's the, the PTAs and then oh, you get the city involved. Like, it's already hard to do anything new or different to begin with, but it feels like Urban Assembly has a little more freedom to, to be experimental and pursue something different. How, do, how does that work? So it's interesting. We don't technically have any more sort of permission to, mm -hmm. to do things differently, but I think with the, the, the DNA of the organization is to try to think differently, right? And mm -hmm, to think mm -hmm. what, what could we do, not what have we always done. Yeah. I think we had a real advantage in that we started schools from scratch. Mm. And so we didn't have to subtract anything. So to mm. do a career pathway, our Harbor School, for example, has they actually have seven career pathways, which is probably you know more than a school needs. But everything you know that's sort of focused on uh, research science, mm. um, some is focused on boat building, they've got yeah. aquaculture, building oysters. They didn't have to say, what are we going to subtract in order to insert aquaculture, right? So right. The, the, what, what, we were able to sort of imagine and work backward from the labor market, right? Mm -hmm. Work backward from the students' um, aspirations and their career aspirations. Yeah. And so 
there are fewer random electives in our schools. Yeah. Um, we are now starting to support schools to kind of reinvent their programs, to build career pathways, and it can be done. You just have to decide what's the most important thing, yeah. right? You, you, there's, you can't do everything. You have to focus, and I think that's what's always hardest, creating the discipline to say, yes, that would be a good thing to do, and that right. would be an interesting course for students to take, mm -hmm. but it's not core to our mission. It's yeah. not core to our theme, and it doesn't really build on the program that we on the program that we aspire to and so yeah. I, I really think it's it's about discipline and focus mm -hmm. and relevance to your point like it does feel like you know the the dimension that frequently is missing particularly when i think about high school when you can lose students is yeah. why am i maybe earlier depending on how yeah. how rebellious mm -hmm. they might be or like how <laughs> alert they may be but there's a point at which they just ask why do i need to learn this and if the answer is so that you can pass a test yep you know, like that's not really as engaging, yep. particularly for, uh, you know, I've, by the way, I have heard uh, Gen Z described as the Shark Tank generation. So when you were uh -huh. talking about, you know, pitching to to local businesses, some recommendations, that seems right in line with that. But, it, but it's also a generation that at least, you know, as much as you buy into generational thinking, it is a generation that is looking more for a sense of purpose mm -hmm. and relevance Mm -hmm. and mission and it does mm -hmm. seem like the structure because you that was a harbor there's a harbor-based school you said is that correct yes exactly that's yep. just fascinating yep. like even are there 23 different flavors of career tracks or like how many yeah so we i mean so we've tried to focus on three things we mm -hmm. have a, 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 a several schools that are focused on technology right the mm -hmm. gateway school for technology comp sci high in the bronx yeah and and actually we have a couple of our schools that did not start with technology uh, sort of themes, mm -hmm. but that are building tech pathways okay. um, as we speak. So yeah, our Applied sense. Math and Science School, mm -hmm. our Institute for Math and Science for Young Women, so tech, mm -hmm. um, environmental. Mm. Um, so sort of we, we, we believe that sort of there will be, not only is it critical to the earth, right, that we get our act together in yeah. terms of whether it's green energy or you name it on the environmental side. So we have a green career school, mm -hmm. a harbor school really in many ways is tied to the health of the ocean, right? Yeah. Uh, the health of the planet. And also the geography of New York too, you know, like the, it is, it's cool that it's, it's relevant to like yeah. the, the physical opportunities of the space you're operating in as well, which is, is really interesting. Frequently, you know, K-12 education is abstracted so that one size is supposed to fit everyone. And it sounds like you're able to navigate, you know, there's some centralized standards, I guess, that you still right. need to adopt. But yep. then the context and the mission and the goal set is more oriented around a, a career path right. of some kind. Yeah, that's... So our yeah. green, green Career School, they have a garden, right? They also mm -hmm. have a hydroponic classroom. Yeah. Um, and they have a, a room where they build these tiny houses. It's the coolest classroom ever. Hmm. And then they, you know, they break them down and they build them again next year. But they go through all of the different processes of building, hmm. you know, a... a greenhouse right yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They, they, they look through all the structural systems and make decisions about that mm. and then the third the third sort of large area of focus is um healthcare right mm. so we have an emt pathway that's very exciting our collaborative mm. healthcare school mm. out in brooklyn but then you can connect across these themes right so you you it's it's sort of sort of technology and medicine gets you to medical coding right so yeah, there right, are right. um mm -hmm. but and, and, you know, there are a few other things that we do that don't fit into those sort of three core areas, but mm -hmm. I think 
to get back to your question about a school not in New York City, right, mm -hmm. or in New York City thinking about this kind of work, yeah, um, you have to start with your own community, your own labor market, mm -hmm. right? What does you know? We have a harbor here, right? We yeah, have right. A whole set of industries here, a maritime industry that you don't have in which to talk, right? So mm -hmm. I, I think mm -hmm. that they and different cities do different things. You know, I, I was looking at some studies of social and economic mobility, and one of the one of the major contributors to social and economic mobility for students is the degree to which the schools are preparing young people for the particular um, labor market of their community. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so that has to connect also to higher education, right? Mm -hmm. In a, you know, a place like New York, where there are so many options, there's, you know, there's CUNY, there's SUNY, and there yeah, are right. um, organizations, how you navigate mm -hmm. um, from K to 12 into higher education. And to get to your Gen Z kind of comments and sort of so I think they're, they're, they ask why more often, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And they demand um, better answers to yeah, yeah. why did, you know, why are you assigning this? The, the sort of why of post-secondary education is one of those things during COVID. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I see higher education kind of nervous, right? Yeah, you for know, sure. What is the value proposition that we are offering students? Because mm -hmm. their very survival, right, mm -hmm. is now at stake. And so mm -hmm. I think, I know we want to talk mostly about high school here, but sure, whatever. connecting, connecting yeah. to, you know, our students, you know, we have had the mantra to prepare our young people to have access to college yeah. um, and college is on the path uh, to career. Mm -hmm. I think kids are asking hard questions of, of higher ed. Yeah. You know, you're charging me how much for that right. and why? Right. And, so and, and I give credit to them, right? Like like the, mm -hmm. one of the one of our graduate aims is that our students are change makers, right? And mm -hmm. they are really sort of and, and one of the things that they will change first, I think, is higher education. And the right. the, the, the clay is soft right now, right? Yeah. Everything is everything is being reimagined, whether out of fear or out of hope or mm -hmm. a little bit of both. Yeah. But our young people are gonna drive that. Yeah. And and it does sound like it's a time to be more experimental around your curriculum, be less rigid and tied to sort yeah. of legacy thinking around the type of curriculum you deliver because yeah. the future of higher education is up in the air. The future of work, which is another topic that we talk about regularly on this show, is very much up. It was already up in the air with the, you know, the fourth industrial revolution and the advent of automation and machine learning, et cetera, et cetera, robots. Love to talk yeah. about robots. But, uh, but the reality is, you know, the work for, what the workforce is expected to do in the future is going to be different, yep. which is why if they can come out of their K-12 education, not just with a degree, but with more of a sense of where they may need to go, that's huge. Yep. And then also the idea that K-12 is in service of your life, too. There's a way to understand and imagine how this education is directly relevant to who yep. I am as a person and who I'm going to be in yep. the future. Which makes which makes all that cognitive content, by the way, much stickier. Yes. Right. So if you have the teacher, yep. but they still need, you know, geometry. They still need, you know, right, algebra. Right. Absolutely. Right. Right. 
if you're using the trigonometry mm -hmm. to figure out what the angle of the roof is right. so that the snow will melt appropriately and fall off right, right. Um, in your tiny house in the green clearest classroom, yeah. then that is more relevant than just sine, cosine formulas yeah. that, you, that you lose after. I, I used to have um, a wonderful uh, a friend who would talk about the 40-minute knowledge, the 40-week knowledge, and then the 40-year knowledge. Mm. And so the 40-minute knowledge, you, you learn it, you know, by the end of class, yeah, it's gone. You get it from um, YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get it from YouTube. The, you know, the 40-week, you got to know until the test at the end of the year, right? right. You know, sort of social studies content that I, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen to these social studies regions tests. Oh, my God. Right. Um, it's going to be very interesting. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of random content that kids are being asked to sort of retain until oh, the yeah. end of the year. Yeah. But then, you know, I'm now about, you know, 40 years out, at least from my fifth grade education, and I'm, I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what I retain from that right. fifth grade education, right? Mm -hmm. What 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 stuck? I mean, I actually remember revision, the process of revision. My, mm -hmm. my teacher was really focused on drafting. Interesting. And so I took from that sort of the idea that a piece of writing can always be better mm -hmm. to a fault. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, my colleagues will tell you, like, I have a hard time just calling it done, right? Because, you know, we can, yeah. but, but that was a 40-year learning. Right. Um, I, I, I remember from fifth grade the sort of the reading groups and who was placed in which reading group, right? And, and the social status that was assigned to right. certain. And so I have a very vivid memory of sorting kids and the emotional impact of sorting kids. Yeah. Um, I, I don't get much beyond that. I'm sure there are other learnings, but right. I, I think we, what, we, what we aim for at Urban Assembly is that we, we build 40-year learnings and then also the capacity to keep learning. And that's, yeah. what, um, mm -hmm. and that's what's so critical, right? We, we can't we can't give them everything they need to know because we don't know what the heck is going to be out there. Right, right. So they need to be adaptable, ready, nimble, right. um, passionate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're, they're all of these capacities that kids need and, and some good content. Right. It's important that we know our history, for example. Yeah, right. And I think it can be done more efficiently, honestly. As we're so we're talking about social distancing and partial time in school right and, and if new york actually goes through with this i don't know when you actually broadcast it we will still be planning hybrid education because right, all of right. the other big cities have given up but <laughs> new york are on course to do a hybrid approach mm -hmm. and what that is forcing our principals to do is say okay what is the highest impact use of this time right and if i've only got two days a week with mm -hmm. kids what is it's a pretty good exercise to have yeah, to do right um, and, and, and to rethink, why is physical proximity important? What does that mean to us as humans? To your previous point, we're all poopa about to bloom into beautiful <laughs> butterflies. I love that idea. I also like saying poopa. But the idea that we're all kind of honing ourselves and questioning things at a more fundamental level than ever before, right. I think it's something we all share. And I think as you're reflecting about mm -hmm. urban assemblies, positioning relative to that same problem that all of your students and families and teachers are facing. It's got to be a good feeling, I imagine, to be in a place that is mission-driven, which is something that is really a credit to you and everyone who, who works there. We are getting close to time, so, uh, so I would love to get your broader perspective around what trends are happening out there in the world 
that are yeah. capturing your imagination. You could relate it to stuff that we talked about. You could also go far afield, but I'd just love to get any other insights, any other perspectives on what you see uh, on the horizon. So something that's not getting a lot of attention just because it's getting crowded out, right, by the very real and critical news is that the way in which students are admitted to schools in New York City is getting um, disrupted. And I think this is a positive disruption. Without these test scores, without grades that are meaningful, we have a lot of schools in New York City, and I think other, other cities do the same uh, thing, but to, to a lesser degree, that admit, admit students based on academic performance. Mm-hmm. And what we have found, we've studied this quite a lot, our, our schools are not screened. Our schools believe that the quality of a school is a function of how you help every student to grow, mm-hmm. um, not who you decide to let in and to keep out. Mm-hmm. But I think there's an opportunity for that to change in New York City this year, right? For mm-hmm. policy to change and for students to be admitted more equitably so that we have uh, more racially integrated schools, more economically integrated schools, and schools with different kinds of learners, right? A, a school that admits just by test mm-hmm. has you know, a bunch of students who, who, who sort of perform on a test. Right. Um, and so I, I actually, I would encourage your listeners to watch that, mm-hmm. um, that policy conversation because mm-hmm. I think it's not just what's happening within the classroom that's important to track, but also what's happening. You know, we are a city of 1.1 million students, about a thousand schools, you know, we've got 500 high schools. And so the processes by which students find their way to schools and the, the potential for an integrated system Mm-hmm. to send messaging to students that, that all students are important, right? And mm-hmm. that all students deserve the best, yeah. um, that, that every kid is special. Yeah. Um, is, is really, it's a, the Black Lives Matter uh, movement has focused appropriately on policing, right? And, but I think there's a real school to prison pipeline and yeah. um, sort of it's, it's how students are treated in school and also, also sort of how school um, assets are allocated to students. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm very focused on um, yeah. mm-hmm. in terms of the, the broader environment. And, and I hope that we will emerge from our pupa, pupa uh, chrysalis thing as a, as a more equitable system, not just with more relevant coursework, but mm-hmm. with, you know, with, a, with a system of schools that, that, that's the city that we want to be, right? right. And, and I think I moved to New York City from New Hampshire because I just find great joy in meeting people from mm-hmm. all over the world who mm-hmm. have different perspectives, different experiences. Yeah. And so that's what we want for our children too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just need to create policies to, to make that happen. Yeah, yeah, and, and all the research indicates that children are better off by being exposed to diversity and that the group process that you were talking about is better when the group is in fact diverse rather than all of the same cognitive profile or racial profile or whatever profile, however you want to cut the humanity, it's better to be exposed to difference and to seek it out. So yeah, a wonderful conversation. Uh, Kristen, if if folks want to learn more about any of this, is there a place they should go? Is there something they should follow? Urbanassembly.org. Follow us on Twitter. Come visit our schools eventually when when that's going to be allowed again. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk, Mike. It's it's good to connect the bigger picture to to the day-to-day right now. So thank you for the opportunity to talk. Yeah, yeah, it was wonderful having you. And uh, for our listeners, check us out anywhere you listen to podcasts. Tell a friend. 
rate us. Also, definitely check out urbanassembly.org. And if you can, activate in your community in the way that Kristen and folks uh, at Urban Assembly are doing as well. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again soon on Trending in Education. Thank you.